everybody, and welcome back to Opera Off Stage. I'm Jessie. And I'm Michelle. And today, we are going to talk about something really, really important, and singer-specific just this one time. Learning to love your instrument. Learning to love your voice. Why is this so hard? <laughs> it's so true! Why is this literally one of the hardest lessons to learn as a singer? I, I think it's really a, a grass-is-always-greener problem. That you never really appreciate what you have because you just automatically, because you already have it, you want what other people have. And also there are certain roles. That's the other thing is like certain voice types get to do certain types of roles. And so it can be kind of exhausting to do the same sort of roles all the time. I think that's another big part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also depends on who you see being cast. You know, there were a couple years there where they really were headed towards only bigger voices. Even for shows that didn't typically call for large voices. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Anyway. The comparison game is, is rough and really learning to love your instrument is a lifelong journey that truly every musician has to face. So I'm excited to chat a little bit more on, you know, the steps to learn to love your instrument. Yeah. But before we get into learning to love your m- instrument, we have a couple of announcements. First of all, Michelle and I are officially fully vaccinated. Hey, yo, baby, we got that vax running Heck, through our yeah, veins. Yeah, get vaccinated. Baby. Got that sweet Moderna. Anyway. Moderna <laughs> gang, show up. <laughs> yeah. Please, please, everyone tell us which vaccine you got. <laughs> yeah. But we are so excited because it does mean that we can finally travel and see each other and start making more in-person content, which is going to be very, very exciting. So we look forward to sending you guys some new fresh stuff since most of our last in-person stuff came from October. Yeah, I don't know if we've like talked about this much on the podcast, but everything that Jesse and I do for Opera Offstage is remote. So yeah. we record all of our episodes remotely. We've done interviews remotely, like literally all of our meetings are remote. We and our team members are all in different parts of the of the country and since starting Opera Off Stage, Jesse and I have only seen each other in person once. And that's really, really, Honestly, really crazy. tragic. It's it's tragic <laughs> and crazy and kind of like I'm impressed that we've been able to do this for as long as we have. <laughs> it's honestly going to be so funny when we start recording podcasts in person together because we're going to have to relearn how to record. <laughs> it's going to be absolutely bonkers. Just you guys wait. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, on the plus side, it means that whenever we travel for things, we'll still be able to record because now we know exactly how to do it. <laughs> Hooray! But anyway, we're excited to be vaxxed and we're excited that we are going to be making new stuff for you guys. Also, exciting, exciting, we got a new review. Hooray! From Dr. Baritone on Apple Podcasts, we have a great show. Opera singers would benefit immensely from listening to this show. Thank you. We really, really appreciate it. We were always excited to see new reviews. So if you have a second, hop on that Apple Podcast app and leave us a little message and rate our podcast. We love to read them on the show. It means a lot to us. I also love the fact that this person's username is Dr. Baritone. Like, if That's you're sick. Dr. Baritone, please reach out to us because you're really cool and I want to be your friend, please. It also sounds like a would make a good, like, cartoon villain. Ooh. Yeah. Dr. Baritone. <laughs> Dr. Baritone is like Bugs Bunny in some sort of costume. Oh, yeah. 100%. And then last but not least, just a little fun story. So I was talking about my job last week when we were talking about gigs and side jobs and everything. And I bartended at an airport and I was goofing around. And every once in a while when I talk to somebody about what I do outside of the bar, 
they asked me to sing. And so I had a couple of just really fun experiences singing for people. I had one group who I sang for them and they asked me for a tip bucket and they took it around the entire bar for me, which was very sweet and kind. But one guy then asked me to, he gave me the list of names of his fishing buddies and had me do a singing telegram for them. (laughs) So fun. Yeah, it was a really good time. I don't know. So once again, if you're thinking about bartending, it's a lot of fun. And it's very fun because I do end up performing for people a lot behind the bar. And it's just a great little silly moment. I had one guy from New York who was like a very New York, New Yorker, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, we know the type. Who also like teared up. (laughs) I moved that man. (laughs) It was very fun. Oh my gosh. Anyway. If you're thinking about it, go for it, because it is just so much fun, and I don't know, it's a very special experience to get to bring people opera while serving them beer. <laughs> um, That is very, very wholesome. I'm so glad that you showed that man the Lord through your Honestly, singing. it's the, like, it was the nicest way. I've only been back at work for a couple of weeks, and it's been the nicest reintroduction to being around people and performing, is bartending and singing for them. It's been amazing so i hope everyone else is having as nice a time as i am right now uh living the dream but you know if you're gonna do stuff like that you know i i wasn't always so confident in singing for strangers even ones who didn't really know much about music because like most people i did actually have a lot of trouble like learning to like my voice just as it is yeah this this is definitely a, a tough thing. And I think a lot of people go through seasons where it is more difficult to love your voice. I think it's also really can be tough to love your instrument for what it is when you're in school and are constantly around everybody making rapid improvement all the time and getting all of these opportunities and it always being you know on your radar what everybody else is doing. And so I would say probably one of the biggest things that contributes to you know, being on a journey where you really feel confident in your musicianship and the voice that you have is just getting to a point where you don't let comparison steal your joy and your love for music. Oh my gosh. And that's a lot harder. That's <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, easier said than done. But, you know, at the end of the day, everybody has different qualities. Everybody has different strengths and weaknesses and everybody has their own path. And there's no correct path forward. Just please, if there's anything that you take as gospel from this episode, just please know that there is no correct path. And that's really exciting because different voices can take different paths and there's no right or wrong. There's just going to be a different path for you. And you're always going to find other people who are further along in their career. Or I think the tricky thing is you're always going to find people who excel in that like one thing that is really naturally difficult for you and that can that can just be a really difficult thing to deal with but it's totally natural and comes with the territory oh yeah and I I think you also just have to understand that you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea not everyone's going to like your voice and I think about this all the time because I have there are a lot there are a couple like really really famous singers who I don't listen to very often because even though like they are impeccable singers, the literal quality of their voice just isn't my cup of tea. Totally. And and that's just how it is. I think in school, though, that's especially difficult because a lot of times you have like maybe one or two opera directors and sometimes they're looking for a very specific type of voice that's not yours. And that can lead to a lot of comparison. But you just have to learn that like what a director wants isn't about you. 
and you can't take it personally because it's just it's literally got nothing to do with you yeah and you know comparison left unchecked can really just kind of lead you down a really awful path where not only are you envious of others around you and therefore not a very supportive colleague when your other colleagues are succeeding but it also you're just going to create this really negative dialogue that really only hurts you and it's so hard in school because I feel like everybody can think of that one maybe two other singers that you're always just kind of checking in on of just like man like if only I could do this like them if only I could sing this role or this aria like them if only I had been you know made it through callbacks instead of them and even if you have the best intentions, like, this is such a bad cycle to go down. But we all have that one singer where you're like, dang it, they're always a step ahead of me. Like, I can just never get to their level. And it's so, so frustrating. But you really need to just, like, take them out of the equation because it's so true. The grass is always greener or always seems greener on the other side when, you know, I can tell you for a fact that somebody else feels the same way about you and your voice. Oh, yeah. Like, it, literally everyone has that person. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, comparison, it's just so easy to get stuck in that cycle of comparing. But it really, really won't do you any good. Like, there is nothing healthy that will be born out of that. And there are a couple things, and these are from Healthline, that might help you get a better control of your inner critic. And your inner critic or the part of you that just desperately wants to compare yourself to everyone else. You can give your inner critic a name. Sometimes giving something a name uh, makes it a lot more, s- a lot smaller and more manageable. And it also makes it a little silly. And it, it can really help you. Um, but it also helps you recognize the cycle of like limiting thoughts and inner critique when you give it a name. Because you think of the name every time you start to do it. And it will help you notice that pattern which will help you actually deal with it and you'll be able to differentiate those more toxic thoughts from your normal thoughts i think that's what's key it's because you know we have a gazillion thoughts that pop into our brain every single day right and because they pop into our head we just kind of assume a lot of it to be true because they're our own thoughts but by naming that little critic so like me saying like ugh, i don't know Trisha said that my voice freaking sucked <laughs> instead of me, Michelle, saying that my voice sucks. Like, it's silly, but it's so effective because your brain basically differentiates that negative self-talk as not coming from you. And if it's not coming from you, it's way easier to look at it more objectively and also kind of not as easily perceive them to be innately true. Yeah. We always have a tendency to believe our worst thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because if Trisha were a real person in real life and told me, like, Michelle, your voice sucks, I'd be like, screw you. Why would you say that to me? Like, are you kidding me right now? But if it's coming from... Get out of here, Trisha. Right? (laughs) Trisha, be gone. (laughs) Be gone thought. But, like, if it's coming from Michelle, I might be like, well, shoot. Like, maybe my voice does suck. So it's a little trick that seems silly, but is actually really, really effective and also noticing patterns in your negative self-talk and really just helps you bring awareness to your thoughts. And that's such a huge life lesson. When you have a negative thought, all you need to do is bring awareness and be like, okay, I'm having this thought about my voice and the way that I feel about it. I acknowledge that this is just a thought. It doesn't mean that it's true. It doesn't mean that it's factual. I identify that it's a thought and now it's gone. So bringing awareness to the things that you think can really kind of help you sift through what is 
helpful, what is true, and what you're just like, you know what, I'm in a, I'm having a bad day. I'm just going to toss this in the trash can right now. (laughs) Something that was really important for me to understand, just in general for my life, was to not take my emotions as truth. Because a lot of times I would be like, I feel bad about this, therefore something is wrong, which is not, not actually the way things work. And when you're dealing with a lot of stress and strain and music school and all of that, it's easy to feel bad about things. It's easy to get sad or depressed or angry or stressed. But you, you can't do the logic that way. You can't reverse engineer it and say, like, I feel bad, therefore this must have been bad. That's not the way things work. So make sure that you check your emotions and really look for the reality behind them instead of just trusting that, like, well, if I feel bad about this, then I clearly did something terrible. Because, once again, those cycles breed more of those thoughts. And you're right, that mindfulness will save you. Yeah, and then another really helpful trick is to keep a record of your achievements and indulge in them from time to time. Because, you know, in music, we're always looking forward at the next opportunity, at our next gig, at our next what we have to prepare for our lesson. And we rarely afford ourselves the time to reflect on everything that we've accomplished. And when you're in that comparison mindset of like, oh, I I wish I was just like this other singer. I wish I was like this other instrumentalist. By just reflecting on some of the moments in your schooling and your career that have brought you a lot of joy that you felt really proud that you were excited to, you know, put on your resume, like by just going down a little memory lane will make you feel so much better about what it is that you've accomplished and will really help show you that, yeah, this other person might be accomplishing X, Y, and Z, but look at all the things that I'm doing as well. And that can be a huge, huge confident boost and really just kind of set you down a better path. Yeah, it's so easy to forget how much you've accomplished, you know, because it always feels like we're constantly looking ahead to progress. And it's so important to like take a second and be grateful to yourself, past and present and future for all that you've already done. One of my favorite things to do for that was I used to have a jar. Uh, I don't do it anymore, but maybe I'll start again. I used to have a jar that whenever I accomplished something that I was proud of or I had a really lovely moment in a day like behind the bar, I would write it down and I would put it in there. And then when I was having bad days, I would pull some out and read them and remember fun and wonderful things that I had already done or just happy memories. I love that. That's so yeah. cute. It's it's very nice. And it's always like a weirdly nice surprise because I'm terrible at journaling, so I can't do that. But I can write on post-it notes and put them in a jar. I... That is so wholesome. <laughs> I am, I am, wow, that gave me the best vibes. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm truly not much of a Pinterest personality, but there there are a couple things I do. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> She's crafty. Oh. But uh, another part of that, you know, enjoying your accomplishments, but another huge part of this is there's nothing wrong with enjoying your unique instrument. It is such a game amongst singers to be like, oh, I hate my voice, or I hated that performance, or we have such bad cycles of negative self-talk with each other, where we don't talk about the good performances we felt like we gave, because it feels vain. But there's nothing wrong with celebrating the unique and wonderful things about your voice. And loving your voice is not vain or self-absorbed. It is mentally healthy. (laughs) It is mentally healthy to like yourself. It is not vain or narcissistic. And it's important that you start to care about yourself and say, like, I did well there or I like my voice. You know, there's always room for improvement, which is great. And like, obviously, we always want to be working towards the next thing. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't appreciate your voice as it is right now in your development, like right as you are. 
And every time I get better at appreciating and liking my voice as it is, my singing gets so much better. <laughs> Imagine. Like it's, it's shocking how much better my... Because here's the thing. Regardless of how beautiful your voice is, when you start to like your voice, you stop apologizing in your performances. You take those rubatos you take those moments that you should and you indulge a little bit more and that's how really great performances are born is by trusting and liking what you do shocker we all know this is very hard to do but starting to like your voice is super important and when you listen back to your recordings to your practice sessions or your lessons or your coachings try and take a second to think of a few things from every performance that you like that you did and really latch on to those because when you start to like what you do, you will continue to get better. I do. I can actually promise that one. You know, you brought up such a good point. I what genuinely in music school, what the heck are these negative self-talk rings that we all freaking <laughs> participated in where we're all freaking sitting in like the music library in like a little cult circle being like, <laughs> girl my high notes are trash and then somebody's like well you know what like my italian like i don't know like who is she like and everybody just goes around just trash talking their own voice and i'm like what is that and why did we all do that like what the heck is that (laughs) it's so bizarre so much a part of the social reality of music school even then like the negative talk all around music school could be an entire topic on its own but like try to, try to not hang out too much with people who want to do nothing but trash talk themselves yeah and like i think the uh, the flip side of this coin is also like there's so much of this like there's always room for improvement like i'm always looking to push myself and get better like i'll never be the best that i can be because i'm always moving forward and like we have this mindset but that mindset should also not keep you from loving your voice for what it is at this particular moment at this particular point in your development i am a person who lived in every aspect of my life as the person who was like i need to improve obviously yeah great i'm doing fine but i need to be better And, like, I was thinking that that was good because I wasn't someone who was going to stay in one place. I was always striving to be better. But it's not really a mentally healthy place to be because, honestly, the best things are born out of when you appreciate yourself. Because otherwise, you do wait and you hold back because you're like, well, I'll do this thing when I'm actually ready for it. But I have to improve a little more before I go for that. And you never take the time to really appreciate like like we said earlier, all you've already accomplished. So while it's always good to be striving to be better, really, really do take a second to stop and be like, where I am at this exact moment, all the things that I've already done have made me good <laughs> because that is a yeah. much better place to be working from. Absolutely. And you've got to know that this is just a tricky thing to, to really accept because I was talking earlier about how, you know, sometimes this is why, but no one is built to sing every role. There are certain people who can sing more roles than others, who have voices that span uh, different genres, different styles, but no one can really sing everything. And it has nothing to do with how good you are or how good your technique is. Just not every voice is built for every type of music. And that's okay. You don't need to. Yeah, I mean, if anything, then it's it's better to find the things that you're really great at and do that versus trying to be a chameleon who sings some things really, really well and other things like okay yeah you should absolutely lean into your niche i mean that's the thing is like while it's great to be kind of a multi-tool to be great like at many many things it can be even better to be very 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 good 
at one thing. That can build an entire career. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Especially, I think, early on when you're trying to break in to the larger music industry, that can be very helpful. But regardless, your voice, whether you've got really fast vibrato or maybe a really heavy tone or maybe your voice is just a little bit quieter than than most people's, there are legitimately benefits to every type of vocal aspect that you could possibly have that will help you do things that other voices cannot. I know for me, like I used to always be so jealous of people because my voice was smaller and I always felt like, why would anyone want a smaller voice? But there are a lot of things that my voice, my voice is a little bit bigger now, but there were a lot of things that my voice could do back then that a lot of people's couldn't. It was part of what made me such a good choral singer because I had more ability to do straight tone and it actually helped me a lot when I started doing more coloratura passages because my voice was easier to move. There are wonderful things about your voice. And so instead of focusing on the things your voice doesn't do, really embrace the things it does. This is like the other big contentious issue with music, which is Fox, which if you know, the Fox system is the German categorization system for voices, which just helps people figure out kind of what type of voice they have. So if you've heard people say like, I'm a light lyric or a soubrette or you know, a Helden tenor. Ooh. That's part of the Fox system. Ooh, a Helden tenor. <laughs> mm. um, <laughs> Tasty. <laughs> and while the Fox system can be very helpful for, like, helping you find roles and repertoire, often singers obsess over which category their voice is or will be in in the future. And that can be just so detrimental. <laughs> I remember so many people like trying to figure out and I like we still talk about it like there are people who you know we'll talk about and they'll be like you're a baby dramatic meaning that you have a bigger voice and you have to grow into it or you know ultimately voices like people do not fit into neat little boxes and you may be someone whose voice fits into multiple fox I know a lot of people including Michelle who kind of straddle the line between being a soprano and mezzo. And it's not that they're not great at both. It's that they're too good at both. And that makes it very difficult to figure out if they're a mezzo with an extension or if they're a soprano with a low extension. But the whole point is that that doesn't mean that Michelle needs to necessarily even choose a side. I am everything. (laughs) Right? But it was very frustrating going through school and trying to pick rep when you weren't sure which place you were in. And teachers and school will often make you feel like if you don't pick a side, you'll never get cast. Oh, totally. And I think the whole like light, medium, full, (laughs) lyric, yada, yada, yada is just all my sopranos know. (laughs) Decaf lyric. It is the freaking worst, especially if you're like a lighter to like, I don't know, medium. That's what I always (laughs) say I am. I'm like a medium lyric. And it's like there's so many full lyric roles that I just should not be singing but then like some light lyric things just also don't feel right and so you're just like what the heck do I freaking do with myself yeah well and I think too we talked about this a little bit with Nathan Troop but as long as your fox that you're kind of in aren't too disparate most panels understand that the voice is more flexible and complex than a singular fox. So as long as you're not really spanning the gamut of roles, as long as the things you do make sense together, you'll be fine. Don't don't obsess over what fox you are in or where you will be. Think about your voice as it is now and try not to worry too much about where you'll be because all voices change. And so wherever you are now and wherever you will be in the future, it's, it's just too tricky to tell. Yeah, and there's also no best fach. Yeah, I'm looking at you, full lyrics. <laughs> Ugh, what a 
What a cocky little group of ladies. <laughs> I think it's just that that's what everyone aspires to be. It's like when your voice is not going to be dramatic and you know it, but you're in the light lyric, but you also want to sing like Violetta. <laughs> you're like, I will be a full lyric. You're like, I do not care what it takes. I will be this. Yeah. I mean, yeah. a lot of full lyric roles are, you know, the big diva roles. So there is an mm-hmm. element of like, ooh, I would love to sing that, you know? But it's also yeah. like if your voice isn't that, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with your voice. Your voice is great. It's just not the stuff that you might sing the best. And that's OK. Yeah. I think that's just one of those things. Because the thing with the obsession about Fox that's always got me is that it always, to me, pushes people to sing bigger and more dramatic. And that was like, once again, as a person who had a smaller voice in school, <laughs> was really detrimental because I spent all my time trying to sound bigger instead of embracing like not to use another Fox term, but subrettiness of my voice, which would have been way better for me and way healthier. Oh, yeah. You know, some some Fox just get all the glory. I also would in in <laughs> Michelle and the Silver Song. <laughs> but also, like, how bomb would it be to be a freaking dramatic coloratura soprano? Mm, Diana Damaro. Like, also a dream. <laughs> also, just that would be so fun. Me being like, don't compare and don't want to be a better one. And me also being like, but what if? (laughs) Yeah, there's something about it. But once again, that's the grass is always greener because eventually those roles would also be exhausting. Yep. Yeah. I think kind of another really big thing to keep in mind when you are on your journey of learning to love your voice is kind of like what we said of naming that inner critic is just really, really being wise about what you interpret as true and because we're in such a subjective field and you know we improve via feedback and instruction being in music basically means that a lot of people are going to have a lot of things to say about your voice and about your instrument and you need to be so extremely selective on what you interpret as fact because Feedback is part of the process, but feedback is full of opinion. Full of opinion. Oh, yeah. And basically, anytime that somebody comments on the overall characteristic or quality of your instrument, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Like, and I can't even stress this enough, especially in master classes, because they've only heard you once. And they, let me just tell you, they absolutely do not know the full scope of your voice or your playing based off of one performance, based off of one coaching. It's just impossible. Not everyone who gives a master class is a good teacher. Also factual. <laughs> you can be incredible as a singer and be the worst teacher. Yeah, but I mean, like, even from people you trust, even from people like teachers, maybe who you haven't studied with, but hear you all the time, like feedback from anybody is full of opinion. And even, you know, from your teacher, you need to be selective on what when they're commenting on the characteristic of your voice versus like the technique or a certain part of how you interpreted a phrase, like you just have to be really, really careful. And when somebody comments on your voice or instrument, I, I would say my advice would be ask yourself a couple of questions. Ask yourself, one, does this person have my best interest at heart? And if they don't, then I don't know. <laughs> Do you really want to do you really want to take what they say about your voice as true? Maybe not. Um, even if they do, is it still helpful to you to take that as true? Another question to ask yourself is, do I trust this person? Has this person heard me before? And if their comments are negative, but 
true? Is it something that I actually have power to change? Yeah. There are some things about our voice that we can never change. And also, if a person is commenting on something you literally can't change about your voice, that's kind of stupid, unless it's an actual career ender, which so few things are. Yeah. But yeah, you just need to be very selective about who you allow to to critique you. Because not everyone's criticism is worth taking. No, and, and we're often not in a part, in a position where we have the option to... Like, sometimes people just give you criticism whether you ask for it or not. Uh, that happens Very true. literally all the time. And we don't always have the luxury of being like, hey, I don't want any criticism at this time because, you know, there's always those people who are going to let you know their thoughts when you Sorry, really do not I will be, care. Sorry, I will be taking no criticism today. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Like, I wish that we could just wear name tags that had a little PSA yeah. on them. That'd be very helpful. But... Whether I'm open for critique today. <laughs> Permanently closed until further notice. <laughs> like, it's just, that's not really a thing. People are going to share their opinion and you could care less. But just be very selective because it's very, very easy for somebody to tell you, I think your voice is shrill and not your tone is not great. And if you take that to be true when it isn't necessarily if you don't trust that person, if that person doesn't have your best interest at heart, if this person has only heard you once, it's just not worth mulling over. It's just opinion. No. And sometimes also people will say really nasty things about people's voices, like out of jealousy. Like maybe you are that person's, you know, person that it always seems to be a step ahead. Like just some people are just Trishas. Some people are just freaking Trishas. You know, don't listen to Trishas. Yeah, some people just engage in nothing but the negative. So just once again, be super selective about who you let actually critique you, who you take that to heart. Another really important part of this is that you have to understand that all of this is, this process is a journey and there is no real destination. It's just a a process. It's more cyclical than anything else. (laughs) We have slow times and fast times and times where we're making tons of progress and times where everything has changed and we're relearning our entire voice. Because the thing about our particular instrument is that our voices grow and change with us, which makes them unlike most instruments. You know, a uh, a string player may go from a, a three-quarter violin to a full-size violin, but a violin has never become a cello, <laughs> which is something Facts. the human voice can essentially do. Mm-hmm. And... This means that, like, we all the time are experiencing rapid and unexpected change, which will take time to adjust to. Every singer can tell you that as soon as they have figured out their registration, they wake up the next day and their voice has changed entirely. (laughs) That's that is (laughs) what happens every single time when you finally worked out how to how to quickly and easily move between registers. Your voice goes, I've decided to have a growth spurt and now nothing makes sense anymore. Or when you finally fix that note right in your passaggio that gets a little like a little tweaked every time you try to go over it. Once as soon as you fix it, your passaggio's moved. Um, goodbye. You are literally explaining my career as a singer. <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> we wake up all the time with voices that we didn't have before and it's like relearning our instrument. And so you have to be ready to know that like like I said, progress here is not linear. A lot more times it is cyclical. Where we are doing really well and making tons of progress. And then we have points where we're a little more stuck for a little while. And then we get back on. 
And you just have to be comfortable with yourself and trust that you know how to work through it and that your teachers and coaches also know how to get you through it. Because you just have to be patient. There's no way around it. And when you reach those roadblocks in your technique or skill or you just have a bad performance, try to avoid that negative self-talk because it's just a part of that process. Having Hitting roadblocks is a good thing because hitting a roadblock means that you are making progress. We don't, we don't hit roadblocks when we're tr- not trying new things. We hit those difficult moments because we are trying to push ourselves further. So give yourself a little bit of a break when you don't quite jump over the next hurdle and then pick yourself back up and keep going. And I think this also ties to comparison because I think referencing back to that like one person who's always a step ahead of you that always comes to your mind, it can feel so much like the people around you that you look up to aren't experiencing any roadblocks and that they're just coasting and that everything's easy. That is not the case. They're having the same experience as you with just different things. And so that's why it's so important to really just like keep your (laughs) eyes on your own path because everybody's struggling with different things. Um, Everybody's hitting different roadblocks and having different issues with their technique or whatever. And roadblocks are total part of growth. Yeah. And those people are, you know, a lot of times that's the tricky thing is those people are on the other side of that cycle. So when you're hitting a roadblock, they're hitting a progress point. And that's so frustrating. But you just have to remember that everyone goes through it. Everyone goes through this cycle. Absolutely. I also really just wanted to touch on something that I don't think a lot of us talk about very often that really just freaking messes with your mind. And that is sound perception. Sound perception is such a funny and tricky thing for singers. For everyone. For everyone, yes. But, you know, the voice you hear when singing is different from the voice people hear when listening to you. Because when someone is listening to you sing, basically the sound waves travel to them and they are picked up and interpreted by their ears and the brain. But when you sing, the sound you hear is being altered by the fact that The sound waves are coming from all around your head, and some of that sound is picked up by your inner ear, and these sound waves are altered due to the fact that you have bones. Basically, the fact that you have a skull and spine that echoes (laughs) because you have bones. (laughs) It alters those sound waves, and basically what that means is when you're singing, the sound that you hear, that you're picking up, that you identify as your voice is a really funny combination of all those altered sound waves that only you have access to. And this is usually why the voice in our heads seems to have a lot more presence and focus and, you know, depth or richness, kind of just a different tone. And basically the point I'm trying to get at is it can be super shocking to have this perception, to have this trust and this idea of what your voice sounds like, only for it to be completely destroyed the second you listen to a recording of yourself. And I feel like this is something that just never gets less shocking. It doesn't. I mean, we we all know it. it. It never gets less shocking and it doesn't even have to be singing. You can listen to a a video where you're talking and you're like, who the actual heck is this? I do not know them. Me and editing this <laughs> podcast every single week. It really is shocking. And this shock can lead to feelings of such distrust with your voice. And I know like from my own experience, like y'all, my voice sounds way younger in reality than the voice I hear in my head. Okay, you guys, the voice that I hear when I sing in my head is freaking sexy and drinks like a glass of fine wine at dinner and like rides a motorcycle. And 
the voice that I hear when I listen to recordings of myself is literally like a five-year-old excited for their first trip to Disneyland. Like the disconnect is shocking. (laughs) It destroys me every single time. And I think listening to recordings of myself, like, I don't know, it just, it can lead to you really having this distrust of your voice, which can be really, really detrimental and plays a huge part in having feelings of not loving your voice because you spend all this time in the practice room, you're listening to yourself and hearing this feedback um, happen live and you're like, cool, this is what I sound like. And then the second you listen to a recording, you're like, what am I doing? I don't sound anything like what I think I sound like in my head. It was so funny because another one of these little disconnects. Back in October, we did a Halloween episode. Oh my God. And we were telling scary music stories. <laughs> Michelle, Michelle Jessie did a great just job uses of telling me as an stories. example. No. Shame you, me. No, I thought you did a great job. But <laughs> Michelle listened to the episode and she was like, I thought my voice was so spooky. I thought I was doing such a great, like, creepy storytelling voice. And she goes, I sounded like me. <laughs> I sounded like I was just telling any story. I thought you did a great job. I appreciate that. I didn't know that I was self-conscious of my non-existent spooky voice until recording that episode, but here You've I got am. Five <laughs> months to prep for next spooky episode. Yeah. But I think like <laughs> I think we don't really talk about sound perception very much. Um because no. it's just kind of a random thing. And but we all we all know when we listen to recordings of of ourselves we're like ew gross but we never really think why we think that we just kind of immediately get self-conscious and immediately start attacking our voice and start down the cycle of negative self-talk and I just wanted to bring awareness to that because the way to build trust and really learn to love your real quote-unquote voice which is the voice that you listen back to in recording and is not necessarily the voice that you hear in your head is to listen more Yes, I really just said that. To listen more to recordings of yourself, which is disgusting, I know. Like, I can't even think of, like, I know that I have to follow this advice that I'm giving you. A form of torture. And it really is a form of torture. But it's a really important tool to getting used to the characteristics of your voice that are basically going to help you, you know, also identify things in your pitch, your diction, your technique, because you can really only sing and also process what you're hearing at the same time. Yeah. And... You know, here's the thing. If listening back to yourself, like, just absolutely makes your skin crawl, just take a second to remember that you've made it this far. And the voice you hear in recordings is the voice that got you into music school. It got you every single opportunity on your resume and is the one that people pay to hear. Yeah. So you cannot allow yourself to continue to be like, ew, that's what I sound like? Gross. Because the voice that you're calling gross is the one that literally gives you a check. It's the one that literally people show up to your recital to come and hear. People do not have the same perception of what your voice sounds like that you do. Something that really helped me with recordings, because I hate my recordings just like everyone else back in that cycle of negative self-talk. But I sat down with people who were not singers. They can be instrumentalists. Um, They can be friends or family, Um, just anyone who is not a singer. (laughs) Trust me on that part. But sit down with them and show them the video and ask them what they like about it. 
I learned how to like hearing my own voice in those videos by asking other people what they liked about it, which isn't necessarily the greatest thing in the world of asking for outside validation, but it helped me get out of my own head and get out of my own stupid singer brain and start seeing and hearing what they heard. And it really changed the way I felt about those videos. And it changed the way I felt about how my voice sounded in there. And I started noticing the good qualities over the mistakes. So it's a good little thing to try. <laughs> because your friends and family love you. And those videos to them are beautiful. Yeah. I mean, those be- the your voice is beautiful to every audience that comes and listens to you. You know? Yeah. And it, it can really help you to see it with a fresh pair of eyes. Because the, the reality is, with your voice, you can't replace what you have. We've we've got what we've got and we have to work with it. And everything that you bring to your instrument is unique to you and how you use it and how you choose to develop it. And it's only when you start to really embrace the things that make your voice unique to you and actually nurture them that you're able to make true progress, that you're able to find what your niche is, that you're able to blossom and grow and start to find things that really connect with you and your voice. And when those things come together, that's what we build our careers around. Because if you, you can't spend all your time obsessing over the things that your voice is not. When you could be obsessing about the things that your voice is, which are beautiful and wonderful and unique to you. Go out there and share that magic with us, y'all. Yeah. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend through Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Learning to love your voice is such a journey. It's tough, tough work. But like I said, the voice that you hear in that recording is the voice that people love to hear and come to hear. And if you know that anybody else needs to, you know, get that little pep back in their step, send this their way. And you can also take a screenshot of this week's episode, share it to your Instagram story. Don't forget to tag us and we'll repost it. And if you're not following us already, come connect with us on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook. You can find us at Opera Offstage. We create lots of content on all different platforms. And we hope you guys have a great rest of your week. And we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.